People, I, uh, when I was in college, I struggled with sexual sin, and there was no way that I was going to tell anybody, let alone a room full of people. I finally found freedom when I was willing to be open and honest with my own stuff. Uh, and so if, if that is your story, whether you're male or female, we have a community of people who care for you and we want to walk with you. Uh, there's actually an organization, or a group of guys that meet together on Monday nights called Finding Freedom, and if that is helpful for you, uh, we have information on, on that on our app, uh, and for the ladies, um, Renewed, I almost said Finding Freedom again, <laughs> Renewed is on Thursday nights, and if you're interested in that, come talk to Hallie or check out more information uh, on the app. But the re I mean, maybe that's not your story, maybe that's not your struggle, maybe it is, but either way, Every single one of us are just really broken and messed up. And yet, and yet we are deeply loved by the king of the universe in the midst of our mess. And my friends, this is why we worship, right? Awesome. Well, we'll just set that aside uh, for right now. Um, if you could meet anybody in the world. If you could meet a celebrity, actor, athlete, musician, who would it be and why? Why don't you answer that question to a person next to you? If you could meet anybody in the world, who would it be and why? Uh, growing up, this was my childhood idol. I loved Michael Jordan. I wanted to be like Mike. I loved the game of basketball, and I played basketball in my driveway incessantly. It didn't matter the weather. It was snowing. We shoveled the driveway, and we were playing basketball. And I wanted to be like Mike. I was trying to learn like his moves and all of these kinds of things. I never quite mastered the dunk from the free throw line, but not even close. Uh, I was also an avid basketball card collector, so I still have over a hundred Michael Jordan basketball cards in my basement. Why, I do not know, but I do have them. Uh, and I would have loved to spend a day with MJ when he was in his prime. Okay, so, if you happen to have the opportunity to meet a celebrity, what is the first thing that you do? Cry? Okay, we cry first. Step two, cry. Uh, step, step one, cry. Step two is what? Shake their hand. Ask for a picture, right? And then what do you do with that picture? You post it. And why do we post? Because when you post this picture of you and a celebrity, you can't wait to see all the likes that it gets and all the comments of jealousy, right? Of like, I can't believe that you got... So this past week, uh, this is my friend Lindsay. I'm not trying to throw her under the bus. But she apparently posted this this week. Michael Ray works out at the YMCA. And I saw this, and I was... First of all, I was like, okay, this is apparently some celebrity that I do not know. So I Googled Michael Ray to figure out who he is. Uh, embarrassing, whatever. Uh, and then there's all these comments of... Oh my gosh, you know, no way. What? That's awesome. Our culture is obsessed with celebrities. 
Why is that? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever wondered why is it that we have this like affinity to want to be around them or at least take a picture with them? This year at the well, we are studying the story of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. The Bible is an amazing book comprised of many incredible stories and all these little stories linked together to tell one grand story. The story of the Bible is our story. This is our series this year. Um, before we dive in um, to our passage tonight, first of all, does anybody have this timeline? Anybody not have this timeline? This is the timeline we've been using this year. If you don't have a timeline you would like one, go ahead and raise your hand. Um, there we go. So from creation, trees in the garden, to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and now we're hanging out with Moses, and there's more stories to come throughout the year ending in Revelation. And not only is it this beautiful timeline, there's also a wonderful map in there, and then also a, a reading list of opportunities for you to read the stories throughout the year uh, together. So if you don't have a timeline and would like one, can you go ahead and raise your hand real quick? Anybody? All right, there's a few of you. So people can come on and down and give you a timeline. Uh, before we dive into our passage together tonight, we have a little weekly recap video for what happened at the well last week. So uh, the Israelites are wandering in the wilderness, and last week Stacy talked about how God was their shepherd, and he cared for them, gave them what they needed, and he protected them and uh, provided manna and provided water and all of these things over and over and over and over again throughout their time in the desert. We are still in the desert with our story tonight. Uh, turn with me to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. If you do not have a Bible and would like one, go ahead and raise your hand. We have some people in the back that would love to give you a Bible. And if you don't have a Bible and would like one, you can also just keep it. I don't care. Uh, and also, Exodus 19, okay, so uh, tonight, rather than reading the whole chapter at a time, we're just going to kind of take it verse by verse and kind of walk through the story a little bit together. Uh, before I read this, I just want to say a prayer for us. Well, God, here we are, uh, and we come with all kinds of different things on our minds and on our hearts. Some of us are coming in here tonight feeling light and filled with joy, and others are coming in here tonight feeling weighed down by other things that are going on in their lives. God, I just pray that we'll be able to set aside the things that are weighing us down and that we will be fully present and that we will be in tune to the things that you want to say to us tonight. Come, Lord Jesus, and just speak. Amen. Okay, Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, 
On that day, they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim, and they came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There, Israel encamped before the mountain. Okay? So the mountain, this mountain is known as Mount Horeb, it's known as the mountain of God, it's known as Mount Sinai, it's all the same mountain. Uh, in fact, Sinai and Horeb is mentioned 56 different times in the Bible, and this is the very same mountain that Moses came to and had this encounter with God through the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. Okay, uh, In December of 2006, Stacy and I uh, had the opportunity to tour around Egypt for about 10 days, it included some Jeep rides in the desert, which is, you know, whatever. That was fun, but a long time, because we were in, the, in those Jeeps for like 15 hours. Uh, and then we got to our hotel room at night about 10 o'clock, ate dinner, went to sleep. The alarm went off at 2 o'clock in the morning because we were to go climb up Mount Sinai. So it was a very, very, very cold December day. Uh, and it was really dark, and it was about a two-hour hike up. Elevation there is about 7,500 feet. We were exhausted, uh, but once the sun came up, it was totally worth it. Uh, another picture of Sinai. That's not my picture, but that gives you an idea of how incredible that place really is. So this is the setting for our story in Exodus chapter 19. Or maybe it's actually a little bit more like this. So there's a mountain, and there's Moses. Let's keep going. Actually, let's just start over. Exodus 19, verse 1. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out, they set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel. Okay? So Moses went up to God. Verse 4. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So God says, you saw what I did to Egypt. I rescued you from slavery to freedom. And if you obey my voice, if you obey my commands, you will be these three things. You will be a treasure possession a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. And by keeping God's covenant, God is basically calling his people to be set apart from the things of the world in order to mediate the presence of God to the people of the world. Okay, so they're set apart. They're not to be like their neighbors, but they are supposed to be relevant and mediate the presence of God to them at the same time. These are the terms of God's covenant with his people. Um, verse 7 so Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him and all the people answered together and said all that the Lord has spoken we will do and Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord Okay, so Moses climbs down and he delivers this message to the people and, uh, and the people say, okay, all the things you're saying, 
we're in, okay? So Moses goes back up top of the mountain to give the report to God. Now remember, this is at least a two-hour hike for Moses. Up, down, up, down. Verse 9. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all people. Okay? So God says, get ready. Consecrate yourselves. So the word consecrate literally means to, to be set apart as holy. Wash your garments. And get ready, because in three days, I am coming down to meet with you and the people. All right? Verse 14. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. On the, third morning, on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. So verse 14, Moses climbs back down. He delivers this get-ready message to the people, and he tells them that God is coming in three days. Consecrate yourselves. God's coming in three days. So Stacy and I, we enjoy trying to be hospitable. We like having people in our home. One of the reasons why we like having people in our house is because it gives us a reason to clean up our mess. Right? People are coming over for dinner, we're scrambling around and picking up all the toys and making things look nice and tidy. It's kind of, I think it's kind of like that with this idea. Moses comes back down the mountain and says, okay, consecrate yourselves, get ready. God himself, not just people coming over for dinner, but God himself is coming in three days. What does that three days of preparation mean? look like? I imagine that day one was like, okay, we're kind of getting ready, and day two, we're getting ready a little, but by day three, the anticipation had to be building and building and building. Like, I know we're just reading this story here, but think about this for a second. God himself is going to come down on that mountain and speak face-to-face -face with his people in three days. Like, what would you be doing if this was the, the thing that I'm saying to you? Okay, in three days, God is coming to Grand Valley. Get your cell phones ready. We're all taking selfies. <laughs> right? I mean, there's this element of anticipation, and we can't wait for this moment. Let's read verse 16. Again. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings 
and a thick cloud on the mountain and very loud trumpet blasts so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. On the third day, there's thunder and there's lightning and there's a thick cloud and there's fire and there's a loud trumpet over and over and over and over again in the Old Testament, God's presence is associated with fire and with a cloud. And so here, God's presence is totally overwhelming. The people trembled. Moses brought the people out of camp to meet God himself. Verse 18. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. That's amazing. I feel like I just want to stop there a second. Like, do you hear these words right now? Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln. And the whole mountain trembled greatly. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. Then the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up. And Moses went up. Can you even imagine just try for four seconds to put yourself in Moses' shoes what would that have been like you're going up the mountain and down the mountain and up the mountain and down the mountain and you're being a mediator between God and the people and there's thunder and there's lightning and there's thick smoke and there's trumpets and the whole mountain is shaking and God himself wants to meet you face to face What would that have been like? And Moses went up. Chapter 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Then Exodus 20 gives what we call the Ten Commandments which is followed by the next several chapters where God is giving Moses and his, his people the rest of the Torah, okay? And the Torah is often translated in English as law, but literally it means more like teaching or instructions or the way to live life to the full with God's purpose at the center of it. God gave his people instructions on how to live their lives. Now jump with me to Exodus 34, Exodus 34, starting at verse 28. 
So he, Moses, was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank, drank water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when, he had come out, when, and when he came out, he told the people of Israel what he was commanded. The people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would, would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. This is the word of the Lord. Moses went up, he came down, he went up, he came down, he went up, and he met face to face with the king and the creator of the universe on top of Mount Sinai. And he was there for 40 days and 40 nights. And by the time he came down, he was totally transformed. And the radiance and the glory of God was shining all over his face, and it reflected to the people around him. The people recognized it as Moses had been with God. In Matthew chapter 17, we're not going to look at that story tonight, but in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus also goes up on top of a mountain, and he takes his disciples with him. And God met Jesus there with his disciples. And while Jesus is up on top of this mountain in Matthew chapter 17, he is transfigured before his disciples. Now, transfigured is a little bit of a, a strange English word that we don't use very frequently, so I thought maybe the Greek word would help. Okay? The Greek word is metamorpho. Say metamorpho. Okay? Which means to change or transform or to transfigure. As was with the case with Moses, Matthew says Jesus' face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light and a bright cloud enveloped them. And God says, this is my son. Listen to him. Moses went up. He met face to face with God with 40 days and 40 nights and God gave Moses instructions and he came down and his face was radiant. Jesus goes up a mountain. He meets face to face with God and he becomes radiant. He is metamorphosed, if you will, in the presence of his disciples. And God says, this is my son. Listen to him. You know when you hang out with somebody a lot, you eventually pick up on some of their mannerisms. And you can begin to finish the sentences of like your best friend, right? I'm seeing a couple of you like look at each other when I'm saying this right now. You're like, yeah, totally, that's us. 
Every once in a while, Stacy will say to me, like, I, I had a, a great mentor when I was in college uh, that I, you know, aspired to be like in a lot of ways. And Stacy will say to me every once in a while, you totally sounded like James when you said that. Like, I still have these mannerisms every once in a while from people that have influenced me, which I guess is a compliment. But have you ever also seen these, these married couples that the older they get, they actually physically start looking like each other? Now, maybe that's Stacey and I. You can tell me later. I don't really know. But they actually did, there's a psychologist who did, from the University of Michigan, who literally did a study on this. Okay? So, this is what they found. They used pictures of couples from their wedding day. Okay? And then another picture after 25 years of marriage. We're not there yet, so it can't be me. Uh, his results showed that over time, couples do begin to actually gain similar facial features. He also found out that the happier couples were more likely, uh, the happier the couples were, the more likely they were to have physical similarity. They hypothesized that older couples looked more alike because people in close contact mimic each other's facial expressions. This is a real thing, apparently, okay? And it's actually called a convergence of appearance. Okay? And it might look something like this. I can't make that up. I mean, that's, that's just astounding to me. They have the same smile as well. As do they. What? <laughs> what is happening right here? I think that one's my personal favorite. I mean, that is evidence of convergence of appearance, I'm confident. Or he married somebody that's a relative, right? <laughs> I probably can't say that. Anyway, in Exodus chapter 19, Moses was the mediator, the go-between for God and his people. And there were these parameters, and it's kind of this weird thing that happens in Exodus 19, but God's people were told they are not allowed to go near the mountain. Only Moses was allowed to enter into the presence of God. Similarly, a little bit later, uh, they build the tabernacle, which is where God's presence dwelled, and the people were not allowed to go near it, but only Moses was allowed to go uh, enter into the, the tabernacle to enter into the presence of God. Later, there's the temple that was built, and God, he dwelled in the temples, more specifically in the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest was allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies on the holiest day of the year, one day a year. God's presence was just a little bit out of reach over and over and over again for all the people. And then after the cross, Jesus dies on the cross and there's a veil that was in the Holy of Holies that ripped in two. And that signifies that now all people are allowed access to the presence and the glory of God. It's not just for Moses. It's not just for the high priest on the Day of Atonement. Now all people have access to enter into the presence of God every single day. 
Friends, every day you and I are given the opportunity to climb Mount Sinai. Every single day we are given this opportunity to climb Mount Sinai, to to spend two hours climbing up and enter into the presence of God. Sometimes I think we're just too distracted. We would rather do other things. I would rather do other things. I'll own that. Sometimes I'm just too attached to this. I'm too attached to my phone, social media, Netflix. We've got a trillion things to do on our to-do list. Our culture is so attached to our phones. Actually, there's a recent research that was done, uh, and people touch their phones on an average of 2,600 times per day. Apple recently said that people unlock their iPhones about 80 times a day. And there's actually, we become so hooked to these devices, there's actually a name for this now being addicted to our phones. It's called nomophobia. You guys heard this? This was news to me. Nomophobia, which stands for no mobile phone phobia. We're a little paranoid if we leave the house without our phone. Or, But, but when I think about this, I, when I think about this story, why is it that things like my phone take precedence? over the opportunity that I have to enter into the presence of God? Why is it that I would rather spend an hour strolling through Instagram than entering into the presence of the king and creator of the universe? I mean, seriously, what's wrong with me? I mean, my weekly screen time report is just embarrassing right now. I've been thinking about this over the last few weeks. So I've been trying to be more intentional about cutting that down, and I've thankfully you know, decreased the percentages of the last few weeks. But it's still, like, when I look at that last number, I'm like, still? I'm still looking at my phone this much? when I And, and how much time am I spending here? I'm not asking this question out of, out of guilt or shame, but... What an incredible opportunity you and I have every single day to enter into the presence of God. But I find other things to distract me. I find other things to fill my time. Other things will just take precedence over it. But let's be real. I feel like I have a busy life. My calendar is full. If Michael Jordan called me tonight and he said, hey, Ben, I heard that you wanted to hang out sometime. How about dinner at my house on Thursday? Mm, Sorry, man, I kind of got a busy week. Maybe next time. There's no way that that would be my response. Like the calendar is cleared and the number one thing that's happening this week is I'm hanging out with Michael Jordan and we're getting dinner together. Right? If that's true for Michael Jordan, 
how much more so should that be true for me and my time with the king of the universe? In Exodus chapter 19, God's people were called to be uh, his treasured possession. They're called to be a kingdom of priests. They're called to be a holy nation set apart from the world in order, in order to mediate the presence of God to the world. But can we really mediate the presence of God to the world when we don't even spend time with him? Can we have a convergence of appearance? Like, what if we had a convergence of appearance with God himself? What if, like Moses, we spent so much time in the presence of God that our faces began to shine or to radiate a different kind of aura about us? So much so that people are walking, like, what if we all did that and people walking around a campus are kind of like, you kind of remind me of somebody. What's going on with you? Well, let me tell you who I got to hang out with this week. And I'm picking up on some of his mannerisms and I'm finishing his sentences. Deuteronomy 32, verse 47 says, These are not just idle words for you. They are your life. My hope and my prayer for us, including myself, is that God will transform us. My hope and my prayer is that we will have a convergence of appearance as we spend time in the presence of God. And this convergence of appearance is not just for ourselves so we can feel better about our relationship with God, but it's also so that we can show the world around us the amazingness that God truly is. A holy God who loves us fiercely. and a holy God who is worth our time. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for these stories that have been written down for us. Thank you for Moses and for his courage in climbing up that mountain and down the mountain and up the mountain and down the mountain and spending quality time with you for 40 days and 40 nights. God, I just pray for those of us that are here tonight. I just pray that your words will speak. I hope this doesn't come across as trying to guilt people into something or shaming people for not doing something. But when I read these stories, I, I, I myself am just convicted. And I know that there's more for me. And I know that you give me an incredible opportunity to spend time with you. So God, just forgive me for the ways that I'm so easily distracted for the ways that I allow other gods to come before you. I pray that in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our busyness, in the midst of all the 
homework and other things we have on our to-do list this week, God, I pray that we will carve out quality time with you. That we will realize what an incredible privilege it is to enter into your presence. That the veil has been torn and we don't have to have a mediator. We can talk face-to-face with you ourselves. Lord, we need you. This world needs you. I pray that we will be metamorphosed, that we will be transformed as we enter into your presence. And as was the case with Jesus, may your word become flesh in our lives as we show the gospel and the good news and the love of Jesus to the people around us. And we find time this week to be still and to know that you are God. We pray all these things in the strong and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.